episode five of Let's Create Something New, the podcast devoted to the conversation of creating a new place of work where women are recognized for their contributions and men understand their clear path to success. So many of us agree it's possible. Where do we start? How do we start? What, what do we do? What can we do? Seems there are enough people that are interested in creating new work environments, one where women can fully contribute and be recognized, and one where interested men who are engaged in creating something new, who want to make it happen, have a clear success path as well. Some might say it starts with creating a new business model. There's truth to that. Business models create progress. Others might say it starts with diversity goals. Goals are important and achieving goals will and has changed the face of the workplace. Still others might say it starts with rules and incentives. Rules and incentives certainly shape behavior. All of those tactics could move progress in creating new work environments. There's something much softer going on though, I think. If you listen to the subtext, you'll hear, yeah, this isn't working for us. I hear it in people complaining about their jobs. I hear it in the frustration of employees not feeling that they are a part of something that matters to them. I hear it in the frustration that the education people invested in isn't matching the requirements of the jobs they acquire once they graduate. I hear it in the frustration in the companies and organizations that want their people to contribute more and be more productive. The model, the goals, the documentation will all come. But I believe creating something new starts with the frustration and this isn't working and questions, why do we do it this way? So we'll explore, why do we do it this way? Why do we work this way? Why is the education system set up this way? Does it have to be this way? What rule says that it does? What would happen if we broke the rules? Why were the rules created? What was the intent of the rules? Do the rules and barriers still apply to the environment we live in today? A few years ago, I created a time management class. It wasn't a typical time management course where you walked away with tips and tricks to be more productive. It was a full day workshop focused on the 24 hours we each get every day. We looked at how we spend those hours and why we spend them that way. Each participant evaluated how they spent their time and why. We have two really important resources in life, time and money. Once you spend your time, you never get it back. Why do we sometimes spend our time frivolously, thoughtlessly? With the precious resource of time, how can we ever justify not being aware of it? I just heard a, a chief technology officer talk about meeting hygiene. She focused on being on time, prepared, focused, contributing, participating in follow-ups. I've been working a long time now, and we're still talking about the importance of meetings. Could we work less hours if we were more productive in the hours that we worked? If we entertain that, yes, we could be more productive in the hours we work if we thoughtfully invested in those hours, what would we do with the rest of our time? When you don't have someone telling you what to do, you now have the responsibility in making that decision. Are you ready for it? And if you had it, what would you decide? You might have heard stories, I know I have, of people dying quickly after they retire, or if they don't die, they may become depressed. 
without the requirements of having somewhere to go and someone weighing in and rewarding you on the value of your contribution, people can get lost. They're faced with defining what they want and how they'll measure their success and contribution. So it seems that work has the power to make us happy or unhappy. What if our workplace didn't have that power over us? As I developed that time management class, I researched the 15 minute break. Where did it come from? With technology, the joke is not that you can work anytime, but that you can work all the time. What is the impact of working all the time? What is the quality of our work and our contribution if we work all the time? How did the 40 hour work week come about? Is it necessary? Is 40 hours too many? Is it too little? Should our time and contribution be measured in weekly increments? Does that still work for us? What would the impact of changing this idea of the 40 hour work week do to the world of work? What impact might it have on women that want to fully contribute and be recognized and compensated for their contribution? And what might it do for men who are looking for a clear path to success? What I remember from when I created that course that the 15 minute break came from a study done by industrial psychologists. In the industrial age where employees were working in manufacturing firms, the psychologists found that by walking away from the repetitive motion of working on a machine for 15 minutes, less accidents occurred, less limbs were severed, less people got their hair caught in machines. By taking 15 minutes away, from work to rest and restore, the employees were more productive. What about now, where our work and technology is more cerebral and less competitive, repetitive? What about now, where we can work all the time and be partially focused on our work? How does it affect our work? If our compensation is tied into hours and the hours are not an accurate measurement of our productivity, what would be an accurate measurement? Daniel Pink, who talks about the puzzle of motivation in his TED Talk, and I encourage you to look it up, he says that management is a relatively recent and unnatural phenomenon. Why do hierarchies exist the way they do? What is being managed? Is management effective? Is management necessary for an educated, motivated workforce? If we didn't have management, what could replace it? So I would say that the world of work will not be defined with a model or a goal or a requirement. It's going to be redefined by asking, what do we want? How would it look if we got it? How do we build it? Why can't we build it? What would it take? Why do we do it this way? What would we gain and what would we lose by doing it in a new way? In business architecture, we call asking, why do we do it this way and how it was built this way, a current state assessment. Starting to understand what it could be is the process of creating a vision, a vision of what could be. Some teasers I'm hearing in this vision are coming from the frustration. I want to understand why I'm doing this work and what it means. I want to know my contribution is I want to know what my contribution is and why is it being undervalued? Why was I so valued when I was in school and now when I'm in the workplace, I'm finding that my work is not as valued as my academic, my academic work was. Why am I working so much for so little? What does success look like? Why, is I, why as I am getting older, is my work less valued?
I'm working so many hours, I want to bring my whole self to work. I'm not getting what I was promised in the interview at this company. I'm not really taking any time off because I'm required to check in on my days off to meet deadlines and achieve goals. It's not a stated expectation, but I suffer if I don't do it. It's not worth the risk. Visions are built on what we do want, but also guided by what we don't want. Sometimes it's easier to articulate what we don't want. It takes some contemplation, some investment, and some risk. Yes, risk to define what we do want. Why is this risk? Well, we could be wrong. If we give up what we have, perhaps what's on the other side isn't better. What if the devil that we know is better than the devil that we don't? Fear can hold us back. What if we have good paying jobs now and a lifestyle that we really like? Why would I mess that up? Sure, in theory, I want the world to be a great place for all, but what about me? I've worked hard for what I have. If I let go, what's on the other side? Fear can be an inhibitor and a justifiable one. There's also risk in the fact that my ideas may not work. Creativity is not doing what we do a little differently. Creativity is looking at the world of possibilities. If there were no barriers and then saying, how would we define it? What would it look like? How will we build it? What if it fails? For me, I think an organization to be progressive in all they do, we need to continually be exploring the crazy ideas, the risk, the potential, but then also saying, okay, we live in the here and the now. What can we do with what we have, where we are now, and build from there? So when we're building, particularly in large complex organizations with thousands, maybe millions of people, we can and should vision what's possible and then leave with what we can do where we are now to create progress. Each one of us plays a part every day. Through Let's Create Something New, I'll be sharing episodes that explore the current state of why we do what we do the way we do it. I'll be inviting experts to share their opinions. This podcast is not designed to share a point of view, but to explore a point of view. We've talked about listening. When you listen, it doesn't necessarily mean you agree with an idea. We're listening less and arguing more, defending our ideas and opinions. I can't tell you how boring I find that to be. I hope to share with you how to listen to opinions that may be different than yours. I'm not asking you to change your opinion, but perhaps to just understand why that perception might be different than yours. One of the tactics I use when I help people understand listening skills is to tell the childhood parable of the blind men and the elephant. It's a simple story, a story for children, and when I share it, I'm shocked at how many people don't know it or don't remember it. So let me bring you back to your childhood and share a simple story that may help us to listen more. Four blind men approach an elephant. One places his hands on the side of the elephant and proclaims an elephant is like a wall. It's a big, immovable wall. The second blind man says no, feeling the elephant trunk. It's like a rope. It moves and it's flexible. The third, feeling the elephant's ear, says no, no, no. It's like a blanket. It's a soft and warm blanket. 
The last blind man says, you are all wrong. He reached up to touch the elephant, and as he did, he found the elephant's tongue. He said the elephant feels like the finest silk. What I get from this story is that everyone is 100% right in their own perspective. Remember this the next time you go to a meeting, you're on a team, you're presenting to your boss, you're gathering requirements, you're selling an idea. Remember, it's unlikely that any of us has the whole picture. We'll only know by listening and seeking to understand. Elephants are really special to me. I visited a sanctuary in Agra, India that rehabilitated, rehabilitated abused elephants. The sanctuary trained the abusers to take care of the elephants. The director said the most fascinating quality of the elephants was that they learned to forgive over time. Perhaps acknowledging things haven't always been perfect in the work environment and looking at how we can contribute in a new way to work is a part of creating something new. I'll leave you with these thoughts of listening, perspective, and assessing what could be. Stay tuned as we continue to explore current state through more episodes and guests who have perspectives to share. If you like what you're hearing and would like to hear more, please rate us on iTunes. If you'd like to be a guest, share a perspective, or sponsor an episode, please contact us at nlachicago.com. Until next time, continue to do your part in building a new world of work by listening, contributing, and asking how you can make it better, saying no to what is wrong and embracing what is right.